Hey Conjurers, I'm Sham. And I'm Steph. Most mothers might say their children are their world. Sure, we have our days where our little rugrats drive us up the wall, but harming them would never cross our mind. Even most mothers suffering from postpartum depression would find a way to reach out before acting on anything they could never live with. Today, I want to tell you a story about an innocent child whose mother severely failed her. On the afternoon of July 19th of 2018 at 3.22 p.m., Ottawa local police received a 911 call from a mother in distress. Kelsey Thomas was screaming in what sounds like a very choppy call for an ambulance. Now we're going to play the call, and it may be disturbing to some listeners. It'll run for 1 minute and 14 seconds if you want to skip ahead. Otherwise, we'll go ahead and start it now. Now in this call, Kelsey tells the operator that she found her five-year-old daughter hanging in her closet by her pajama pants when she came into the room. When the operator asked if she was still hanging, Kelsey told her no because she took her down. She was unresponsive and covered in her own vomit. Police and the ambulance are immediately dispatched to the home of Chloe. Oh no, I hate this story already. That call was heart-wrenching. Wasn't it? I wouldn't wish that on any parent. What the hell happened? Kelsey told police officers that herself and the kids went down for a nap. When she woke up a few hours later and went to wake Chloe up, she noticed her door was ajar. She swore she closed the door all the way after she put Chloe down for a nap, but it wasn't completely shocking because Chloe was known to get out of bed and walk around the house or play in her room, according to Kelsey. Upon opening the door, she didn't see Chloe on her bed, and after taking a look around the room, she found her daughter dangling from her frozen pajama pants tied to a rod in her closet. In a panic, she took Chloe's body down and laid her on the bed. This is when the ravioli she had prepared and fed to Chloe and her little brother Phoenix for lunch began spilling out of her mouth, covering her bed, pajamas, and Kelsey's cell phone. This was the reason for the poor quality in that 911 call she made minutes after, making it difficult for them to understand exactly what she was saying. Kelsey explained that she and her son were sound asleep, and Chloe had a habit of being creative and getting into things during this time. She must have made a swing in her closet and it went wrong, 
or the preschooler took her own life by hanging herself. Once the investigators and the paramedics made their way to the home of Kelsey, she called her husband Aaron to tell him what had happened. According to the paramedics, there was vomit on her face, hair, and bed. They started life-saving measures, but the little girl didn't have a pulse and was cool to the touch, and her airways were completely obstructed by the vomit. It was clear that she had been dead for a while. They cleared her lungs by turning her head to the side and started chest compressions. Within five minutes, the firefighters arrived and they got her into the back of the ambulance before trying to save her once again. Chloe's stepfather, Aaron, opened the back doors of the ambulance and became visibly upset at the sight of Chloe in that condition and ran back into the house. Around this time, Kelsey was holding her two-year-old son while talking to investigators. After a few minutes, Aaron got himself together and went back outside to talk to police officers. One police officer offered him a ride to the hospital to be with Chloe, to which Aaron accepted. Once in the vehicle, they waited for the ambulance to leave, but Aaron was growing impatient and decided to get out and ride in the ambulance with Chloe while her mother Kelsey followed closely behind. Despite the first responder's best efforts, in the end, little Chloe would not make it to see another day. That poor baby. This hurts my heart. The story the mom is telling about what happens really strikes me as odd. I have a toddler and it's just not adding up for me. Yeah, if anything, I would have my husband take our son the moment he got there so I could be with my daughter. Kelsey's a little too calm for comfort as a mother. I completely agree. What about Chloe's bio dad? I'm sure he had something to say about the death of his little girl. Well, Chloe didn't have a relationship with her biological father, Stephen Chandler. He expressed his feelings after finding out through his brother what had happened to his daughter. He told the news, I just want the truth. That's all I'm worried about right now is knowing the truth. I'd like to hear it from her, being Chloe's mother, Kelsey, about what happened and why. I love her and I'm sorry. He was publicly distraught and everyone following this case, especially the family members, wanted answers regarding this accidental death. While everyone was trying to figure out how it was possible for a five-year-old to even get the idea of hanging herself, the one adult in her life that had those answers was at the police station, helping make sense of it all. At the police station, investigators started to question Kelsey regarding the events of that evening. To their surprise, Kelsey had no problem calmly and confidently telling them what had happened, even with the short amount of time after losing her daughter. Around 8 a.m. on the morning of July 18th, she woke up and got her two-year-old son Phoenix and herself ready to take her father to one of his doctor's appointments. This is a responsibility Kelsey took on often and had no problem doing so. At this time, Chloe was fast asleep, so she left her home with Aaron. Once they got back home, Chloe was up watching TV in the living room while Aaron was heading out to go help a friend detail their car. She told police that like any other day, she decided to feed the kids a can of ravioli and put them down for a nap around 1 p.m. in the hopes that they would stay asleep until at least 3 p.m. That is when Kelsey would need to wake up to get ready for her 4 p.m. shift, then wake up her children. After giving a ravioli-covered phoenix a bath, Kelsey got him to lay down and told Chloe it was nap time. According to Kelsey, Chloe obeyed but came out of her room one time to get a drink before heading back to her room and staying there. This was uncommon because Chloe would usually come out two to three times before finally deciding to stay in her room and go to sleep. Kelsey took this as her lucky day and set her alarm for 3 p.m. before heading to bed herself. I totally get the struggle of little kids not wanting to take a nap. 
Yeah, I get it too. But if my daughter was exhibiting unusual behavior, I'd at least check on her to see if she was sleeping before heading to bed myself. That's a good point. There has to be more to this story. What did she say happened next? At 3.15 p.m., Kelsey called Aaron, who had the day off. She told him to come home to watch the kids so she could go to work. Kelsey was entering the bathroom when she noticed the door to Chloe's room was a little open and decided to peek in on her. When she didn't see her on her bed, she decided to check the closet because Chloe was known to play in there at times. That's when she discovered her lifeless body hanging by her pajama pants, so she dropped her shoes and untied Chloe and placed her on the bed. Kelsey laid her hands on her little girl's chest to see if she could feel a heartbeat. And this is when the ravioli started to come out of Chloe's mouth and land on her face, bed, and Kelsey's cell phone. Kelsey figured she was choking, so she held her up, but this only caused more ravioli to leave Chloe's system. Kelsey screamed her name over and over, but Chloe showed no response and no pulse could be found. Likely due to the noise, Phoenix woke up and came into Chloe's room. Kelsey immediately grabbed him and took him out of the room to make that chilling 911 phone call with her damaged phone. Once the dispatcher told her paramedics were on their way but they needed entry into the home, Kelsey ran to unlock the door and by this time, paramedics were already there. During this interview, investigators were a little concerned that Kelsey seemed so together. In fact, her main concern seemed to be when Chloe's body would be released from the medical examiners. But the investigators still didn't understand how a five-year-old could have hung herself and knew there had to be more. I know everyone reacts differently when it comes to trauma and death, but I can't imagine being at all together in a situation like that. I agree with the investigators that a five-year-old hanging herself is very unlikely. I mean, what five-year-old would even have a thought like that or even know how to hang herself in the first place? Like, where would she see that? (laughs) Maybe the swing thing, but did Chloe tie things up to make a swing often? I'm not sure I believe a five-year-old could even tie knots strong enough to hold her weight. Yeah, highly unlikely. Kelsey continued to say that Chloe never really did things like wrapping things around herself or tying things. She assumed Chloe had been trying to make a swing. There was an area above her closet. They would often store blankets, so it's possible she climbed up there to get some. Another odd detail was a broken chair found directly behind and under Chloe's body. Kelsey claimed it had been in her closet since her baby shower before Chloe was born. She let investigators know that the chair was badly damaged, but Chloe refused to let her mother throw it away, so they kept it in the closet to keep it out of Phoenix's reach. The chair was placed upside down on purpose so nobody would use it. She told investigators that Chloe must have stood on it based on where it was found. After speaking with Kelsey, the investigators had three theories. Chloe, being as intelligent as she was, could have tried to make a swing in her closet, and it went completely wrong, resulting in her death. Chloe intentionally committed suicide, making her the youngest victim in American history. Or, someone took Chloe's life and is desperately trying to cover it up. I don't think she did this to herself, and I don't think it was an accident. I definitely don't think she hung herself, and if she was found hanging from her closet, someone else put her there. Yeah, this is crazy. Steph will give us a peek into this family's life and more details on this case after this quick break. Chloe Marie Chandler was born on November 11, 2012 in Marshalltown, Iowa, to Kelsey and Stephen Chandler. Kelsey and Stephen went through what was reported as an abusive relationship and broke up when Chloe was two years old. 
Not long after that, Kelsey married Aaron Thomas and brought a baby boy named Phoenix into the world one year later. Chloe was a typical child. She loved riding her bike on sunny days. She was a collector of sticker books, a lover of sunflowers, and everything and anything purple. This brown-eyed, auburn-haired doll was a huge fan of Frozen. So of course, she wanted that to be the theme of her room and her bedspread. She was known as a rock star in preschool and was always happy to be there. She primarily lived with her mother and stepfather who were very active in her education, according to Chloe's teachers. On the outside, Chloe seemed very well taken care of and loved by her family. Kelsey worked at the kitchen of a local gas station restaurant and Aaron worked at a bottle factory. With them both working full-time with overlapping schedules, they didn't have the best sleep schedule. Kelsey's mother lived a few blocks away and came over during the day to help with the kids whenever she could. However, when she wasn't around, the kids were often left with their exhausted mother and a father who slept during the day in preparation for his night shift. To outsiders, the children wanted for nothing and had everything they desired. They had a home with their own bedrooms full of toys just like any other middle-class kids. Kelsey sometimes complained about the difficulty in getting Chloe to take her afternoon naps. She told family and friends that Chloe would get up from her naps to play with water in the bathroom on several occasions, even causing the bathroom to flood. This isn't completely uncommon for kids under the age of five. Taking naps is a bit of a challenge, especially if the kid is full of energy. However, it seemed to really irritate Kelsey, according to those who knew her. I mean, my child didn't like to take naps either at her age, or my nieces and nephews, but I don't make it a point to tell the world that, you know? Kids can be exhausting, for sure, and I understand sometimes needing to vent, but come on, she's just a little kid. Exactly. Like, Kelsey's very vocal about the difficulty she has with Chloe. Yeah. In fact, it also irritated Kelsey that Chloe looked so much like her biological father. Family of Kelsey told police that Chloe was treated differently than her younger sibling from the moment he was born. Kelsey, on multiple occasions, confessed to trusted family and friends that she hated Chloe because her developing personality reminded her of her abusive ex in many ways. She described her daughter often as uncontrollable and wild. Other adults in Chloe's life disagreed. To them, she seemed like a typical five-year-old girl. They didn't see these behavioral issues. She was just a child with a lot of energy, which is normal for any preschooler. Several family members brought up the fact that Kelsey had asked her own mother to take Chloe off her hands. Her cousin Brittany also shared her concerns regarding the relationship between Chloe and Kelsey. In Brittany's own words, she told investigators, and I quote, Her interactions changed when Phoenix came. Phoenix was given ample amounts of attention. He was always clothed nicely, received more gifts, she made sure his plates were made, and there was a big difference between the interactions between the two children once Phoenix was born." End quote. She was also concerned about how in the days that followed the death of Chloe, Kelsey didn't even make them aware of it. Brittany and Kelsey's mother found out on social media from a reposted news article. What kind of mother doesn't let the closest people in their child's life know they're hurt or even worse, deceased? Right? Social media is not how your own family should find out about something like that. Kelsey's becoming more and more sus as this case goes on. You're not the only one that thought that. As a mother of three children, Brittany felt something sinister had happened because of how Chloe was treated by her mother 
and at that point made the decision to drive straight to the police station. Though the police couldn't offer Brittany much information since it was an ongoing investigation, she suggested they wire her up. She then made her way to her cousin Kelsey's house. When she arrived, she was shocked to find Kelsey and Aaron hanging out like it was a normal day. They didn't appear to be parents in mourning. Brittany asked Kelsey to go for a ride with her, and once they were in the car, the conversation went anywhere but where most grieving mothers would take it. Kelsey began to rant about Chloe being uncontrollable, how she got on her nerves, and how she couldn't stand looking at her because of how much she looked like her dad. This was all new to investigators listening in. She had acted like a loving mother during her interviews. With the help of the state medical examiner, Dr. Cadillier, they finally got closer to the truth, starting with the ravioli that Chloe had vomited all over her bed, her hair, and her mother's cell phone. It's not uncommon for someone to throw up at the time of death. However, it is uncommon for a victim of hanging to vomit due to the event. So uncommon, in fact, that it's something the medical examiner had never come across in all her years working in the field. She also stated that there was no way that Chloe's pajama pants could have caused the marks around her neck. She explained that the marks were more consistent with intentional strangulation than with accidental hanging. With this evidence, there was no way Chloe could have hung or harmed herself. So this girl really just ranted about her dead daughter to a family member when she should be bare minimum bawling her eyes out. Right? Most people won't speak ill of the dead even if their adults are weren't that close. I just don't understand a parent complaining about their dead child. It's so cold. It's disgusting. And I've also never heard of anyone vomiting after a hanging. Maybe people throwing up from an overdose, but not a hanging. Besides all that, there was no signs that Chloe would have taken her own life based on her childhood and her character. As the investigation went on, police learned that the relationship between Chloe and her stepfather was also minimal. Kelsey explained that he would often do the bare minimum when it came to helping out with her. He only cared about helping with his biological son and openly favored him. She even went as far as to say it felt like she had three children, Aaron, Phoenix, and Chloe. Kelsey and Aaron's relationship wasn't as good as they made it out to be either. Kelsey complained that once Phoenix was born, Chloe seemed desperate for attention. So desperate that she started to developmentally backtrack to the age of two. When she watched her brother having his diaper changed and being fed, she wanted that same thing. At one point, Aaron had plans to adopt Chloe because her biological father was absent and refused to spend time with her. As Chloe got older and Phoenix received more attention from Aaron, she grew to resent her stepfather. Chloe even went as far as saying she hated him, according to Kelsey. The relationship between Aaron and Chloe would obviously make him the police's first suspect, but because there was no history of violence and he wasn't even home at the time of Chloe's death, he couldn't have harmed her. It kind of feels like Kelsey was trying to set Aaron up to look like the bad guy in this situation and possibly point the investigation in his direction. His lack of affection towards his stepchild doesn't make him capable of murder. I'm not even sure I believe her story about his lack of love for Chloe. When the ambulance was there, he was clearly upset, according to the first responders, and even wanted to ride in the ambulance with her out of concern. That's more love than Kelsey showed for her daughter in that moment. That is true. Maybe Kelsey was trying to say everything in her power to look like the better parent. Maybe all the things she said about Aaron were things that she was actually doing. That's a good point. 
At this point, investigators made it known to Kelsey that she was the only one that could have participated in the murder of Chloe, and it was time to tell them the truth. Kelsey was adamant that she had nothing to do with it, and out of everyone, she was the one who wants to know what happened to her daughter the most. She admitted that she was the only one in the house at the time of Chloe's death, but insisted she didn't do it. The interview was going nowhere, so they tried a different tactic, using Kelsey's own words against her. They decided it was time to make her feel heard and try to empathize with her being a tired, overworked mother with little to no help from her spouse. With all of these problems going on in her life, frustration can build and accidents can happen. This didn't get a confession out of her though, so they decided it was time for a polygraph test. The polygraph test couldn't be used in court in the state of Iowa, but it could help investigators get the answers they needed. Kelsey was confident that she would pass it and had no fear going into it and during the lie detector test. Once they confronted her with the miserably failed test, Kelsey finally gave the detectives the answers they had been waiting for. We are now going to play for you Kelsey's taped confession from that interview. She, she's flooded our bathroom, I don't know how many times. She just fills up the sink and just runs everywhere. She just floods everything. All I wanted was just two hours to take a nap. I wanted sleep before I was able to go to work. That's all I wanted. I didn't mean to do anything. And she had jumped out of her bed and I tried to grab her, I tried to grab her arm, and she slipped out of my arm, went to run out of her bedroom, I grabbed the pants, and I just went like this, and I pulled her, she she was in her doorway. She was, I mean, like I said, I tried to grab her arm, which stopped her, and she turned, got my arm out, or got her arm out of my hand. So I grabbed the pants, and I flung them over her, and then when I pulled, I don't, I don't know, honestly, if I, if I had twisted or, you know, I know she had turned around. Because when I grabbed her and pulled her backwards, she had turned. I mean, she was starting to, you know, to get wobbly, at least. I mean, that's what it kind of felt like. Um, and she started kind of moving, like shaking. Yes, she had fallen, and I, I picked her up underneath her armpits, and I put her in her bed. What she feel like? Uh, she was, I mean, it, it, she felt kind of heavy. I mean, she was kind of light, you know, like a light little girl. So I, I picked her up and I laid her on her bed and I was going to hold her down and I told her, I was like, you need to go to sleep. Her eyes got big. I could see that she was scared. Yeah. And then I, I just pushed, I just pushed myself off of her and closed her door and left. To sum it all up, Kelsey desperately wanted to take a nap, and Chloe, being five, didn't want to lay down. Chloe was trying to escape her room, so her mother grabbed whatever was within reach, the frozen pajamas, and literally lassoed them around her daughter's neck. She pulled so tightly to bring her back into the room, which caused Chloe to suffocate. She then threw her onto the bed and pressed into Chloe's neck and chest. The wide eyes Kelsey described as Chloe giving her mom a look of fear 
was actually Chloe's eyes bulging from the pressure being put on her chest by her mother. Kelsey then went to take her afternoon nap, and when she returned to Chloe's room, her lifeless body was still laying on her bed. My God, this psycho took a nap afterwards? (laughs) I think you would know if your daughter was alive after all of that, because she would probably be crying, not laying still. Uh, right? Any loving parent would realize that they snapped unfairly and make sure their kid was okay. Please tell me they didn't waste any more time on this poor excuse of a mother. Kelsey was arrested and charged with child endangerment and first-degree murder and given a $500,000 cash bond that she couldn't meet. She was sent to the Wapolo County Jail until the conclusion of her trial. During her time in jail, a recorded phone call was released of her calling her husband Aaron and confessing to killing Chloe by accident. However, even knowing about this phone call on top of the interview confession, Kelsey's defense team entered a plea of not guilty and prepared to build their case. They argued that the confession Kelsey gave during her interview with investigators was coerced from the stress Kelsey was enduring after hours of interrogation. Kelsey's trial began in March of 2020, and her attorney, Alan Cook, brought in an interrogation expert who stated it's possible the confession was false, but there's no way to tell. They also brought in an independent forensic pathologist to review the results from Chloe's autopsy. This expert was the most important witness for the defense team because he stated the ligature marks on Chloe's neck were consistent with a hanging death. When Kelsey was questioned on how she took Chloe down from the closet, she couldn't explain it, which made many jurors believe it couldn't have happened that way. After deliberation, the jury found Kelsey not guilty of child endangerment and a hung jury on the count of first-degree murder. Okay, that pathologist expert needs to be fired. If she couldn't explain how she got her down, the chances she actually got her down from anything are slim to none. It baffles me that you can endanger your child and not get a child endangerment charge. (laughs) If it had actually happened that way, the moment of taking her down would have been burnt into her memory forever. I don't even understand why the jury was so on her side. Yeah, that's something I can't comprehend. So now what? They had another trial? Well, according to KU News, the judge declared a mistrial, and in November of 2020, Kelsey waived her right to another jury trial, agreeing to allow a judge to decide her fate. She was able to avoid the first-degree murder charge originally given to her and was retried for involuntary manslaughter, for which the judge found her guilty. In December, Kelsey's attorney filed a motion asking for clarification on the judge's ruling, and another hearing took place on January 4th. The state had proven beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant committed the crime of involuntary manslaughter, a Class D felony. Kelsey was sentenced to five years in prison, but with credit and time served following the involuntary manslaughter conviction, Kelsey was released after serving less than half of that sentence. Oh my god. See, cases like this one and the Casey Anthony story make me so angry. The facts are right there, and the hate towards their children are clear as day, and they still get a slap on the wrist. Me too. Some people shouldn't be parents, and the fact that they can get away with heinous acts like this is disgusting. It's insane. One thing that I can't shake about this case, surprisingly, isn't the fact that a mother took her child's life. It's how she went about it afterwards, and how calm, cool, and collected she presented herself to the world. We all have those days where we may get a little louder with our children, and bedtime can't come any sooner. 
But to knowingly harm your child and have the nerve to leave her there without making sure she was okay is beyond my understanding. The family that loved Chloe and the community this devastated will never know the answer to this gut-wrenching question. Could Chloe have survived if her mother would have made that 911 call sooner and loved her child a little bit harder? Please consider donating to Child Help. Their goal is to meet the physical, emotional, educational, and spiritual needs of abused, neglected, and at-risk children. They focus on prevention, intervention, treatment, and community outreach. Child help programs and services help children from any situation and let them experience the life they deserve, one filled with love. The principal theme across all of their programs is to provide children with an environment of compassion and kindness. To get involved, go to childhelp.org. If you know someone who might be experiencing abuse, please call the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's one 800 422 4453. To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Stefan Sham. Editing of this episode was done by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Alina. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure Podcast for our question of the week. Sham, what is our conjure tip of the week? Today, I want to talk about the benefits of meditation that you can do yourself or with your child. Meditation is good for reducing depression, overcoming postpartum depression, regulating anxiety, stress, and calming the effects of ADHD. Whenever your kiddo is driving you crazy or you're driving your kid crazy, try finding a quiet place of your home to sit down in a comfortable position, close your eyes, focus on your breathing, and just be in the moment. It'll help you gain a new perspective during stressful situations and increase your self-awareness. For children, it could help teach them patience and help nurture their imagination. I use meditation to help me sleep at night, but last year when me and my daughter were stuck at home all day, it helped both of us manage on the rough days. That is a really great tip, Sham. I'm a huge believer in the benefits of meditation. I hear so many people say they can't meditate, but anyone can, even young children. Okay, Conjurers, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until Until next time, stay vigilant, Conjurers. Conjurers.